morning again, and it's good to have you here, and it's good to have you online, and special shout out to Jerry and Bruce and Gene, who I know they're watching online this morning, and uh, it's good to have you here as we wrap up our series, I Want to Say Yes, But, and uh, as we've walked through this, uh, we've had a little bit of um, some fun with it, and uh, I've talked about that uh, speaker who didn't understand the culture behind the word but. And he was from Great Britain, and when he came to the United States, uh, he was speaking, and these are the, his points, and it was a very sophisticated church, and so it was a little awkward, and then it just broke down into laughter and everything. And his first point was this, everyone has a butt, and obviously, you know, he's thinking excuses, and they're all thinking rear end, bottom. And then his next point is, your own butt is difficult to see. And everybody got a little more giddy about that. Then your, the butt of those around you look much larger than your own. We're all happy about that, but uh, might not be true. And then the last one, your butt is the largest you will ever have to see. So anyway, and um, so anyway, so we've kind of gone along with that. And the idea behind this is that really there's not a person out there, I don't think, that doesn't want to live a life that makes an impact. When your life wraps up on planet Earth, most of us hope that we will have marked the world we traveled in, influenced the world we're in at least a little bit and left it a little bit better. In a sense, we all want to make a difference. And that's kind of hardwired into us to uh, just leave the world a little better than uh, when we arrived, whether that's with family, whether that's outside of that. That, that's kind of our goal. So uh, we've looked at this, and when we started off week number one, uh, we talked about I want to say yes, but sometimes this seems to be the uh, thing that stands in our way, that we don't have the time or money, and we unpacked that. Uh, we looked at a gentleman that uh, really looked at his life, looked at it, took an inventory of his life, and actually was able to give time and money, and I'm sure things seemed tight to him. Uh, things seem always tight, but the, especially when you get to time, we all have the same amount of time. All of us have the same amount of time. So if you find somebody and you look at their life and go, wow, I wish I could do what they did. I wish I had the time. We all have the same amount of time. It's how you order your life, and uh, we talked about that. Uh, then also the idea, but I don't know what to do. And uh, in your message guides, and you go back and look at this, uh, there's a QR codes where it can help you unpack that, help you think about that a little bit, who you are and how you can serve how you're wired. And when you think about that, uh, you don't need to think about it for like three years. It's pretty clear who you are and how God has gifted you. And then you just are that person, that person inside the uh, community of faith, a local church, but also outside that into the greater community at large. And then last week we looked at, uh, but I'm focused on what my life needs right now. And that's a little to soften it, because sometimes you and I can be self-centered, believe it or not, and it's really about our life. And we're like, but it's about me right now. And we say, when I get through this season of life, then I'll do this. And the seasons just keep coming, and nothing really changes. The next season of life is just as intense, or a lot of times more intense than the last season. So this idea that I want to serve, but I'm focused on me and then how we break through that. And then this morning, we're going to look at, I want to say yes, but what difference will it make? Is it even worth it? Um, and uh, is it just too much effort? 
and not enough results. And so we're going to try to unpack that a little bit. But as we go along, we're going to try to think about some of the excuses that we hear in different parts of life and those excuses, those buts apply to us as we're trying to be better servants. Hey. Hey. Did you work out today? No, the uh, playoffs. Did you? No, oh, I forgot my sneakers. The presentation. I forgot my ponytail holder. I don't think I need it today. So did you go? No. Too tired. I missed the cat. Wednesdays are weird. My mom called. Oh, that's a day right there. <laughs> Sorry, mom. <laughs> now she lives with us, so I don't have to call her. But uh, anyway, different change. All right, so, you know, you've got those kinds of things. There's a day right there. These kinds of things that seem to like invade or thoughts or excuses, and we can never get around to it. And then often sometimes we use some of these excuses. I did not feel like I was going that fast. Sorry, we're late for kickoff. If I don't make it, my life will be over. It was her fault. She was the one who kept telling me to go faster. Obviously, driving too fast, you know, it's like I'm still late. As I was driving, a huge bird flew in my view, cut me off. I did, didn't see the sign because of the bird. We lost our set list. We had to go back to the house. It took forever to put on this face paint. I mean, look at the detail. I actually put the 55 on backwards because of the mirror. All kinds of things that just seem to be excuses. If you were in law enforcement, you probably heard some things that were even worse than that. But uh, just that idea of, you know, just looking for the, yeah, but. But the reality is, is life goes by pretty quick. And before we know it, uh, it's slipping away. And that's not to be a negative thing, but we've got so much time and we need to use it wisely. And, uh, you know, we can always find someone who seems to have just uh, more limitations maybe than us, but they seem to be breaking through that I want to, but doesn't exist for them. And uh, that reminds me of this guy. Here is a man working hard, pushing his limits. You got this? I got this. Cool, you've got this. Wait, what? You don't have arms. But you don't have legs either. Oh, oh, really? I must have left them at home. You left them at... Dude, that's not funny. You're on top of a mountain. It's dangerous. When I saw that, uh, that's a little humbling. There's a guy that literally uh, doesn't have arms or legs, yet he's not saying, I want to do this, but I want to climb a mountain, but I'm limited. This guy is out there doing it. And uh, so it makes me think of where are my excuses and how do they play into to my life and uh, how do I let them control me and how do I let them stop me from uh, enjoying and getting out there in some of the opportunities that God brings across uh, my life, our lives, because we will make a difference. Uh, we're going to see that across the board that we will make a difference. You know, and sometimes uh, you and I just, uh, just again, just look at our lives, and if we're a Christ follower, our life is about servanthood. We've established that over the last three uh, weeks, and uh, that just kind of is a given. As Jesus served, we should serve. And so as we think about who we are and we think about what we're doing, that really needs to be a part of our life. Uh, Jesus said this, whoever wants to be great must become a servant. And at first glance, we say become great, all that's kind of self-serving. But Jesus is really not saying that. He's really saying whoever wants to make a difference, whoever wants to touch the world around you, 
needs to become a servant. And what I love, again, about Jesus is he demonstrates it. He just doesn't ask us to do something and then push us out the door and say, go do it. He does it himself. He shows us how. And we're going to be looking at a passage where he does show us how. He shows us how to serve. Will it make a difference? What, what's going on? So if you want to follow along up on the screen, uh, we're going to be looking at John chapter 6. And we're going to see that uh, this just kind of unfolds of the men around him, the disciples around him, trying to figure out what is going on and, and how to serve. And then we're going to pull some principles um, out of that. First of all, after this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples all around him. It was nearly the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to him to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? And you've got to remember, Philip was from this area. So basically, Jesus is saying, where are the good diners? Where are the good supermarkets? Let's get some things. But when he was saying this, he was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. You need to remember that barley was the, was the worst form of uh, uh, what you would make bread with. No one liked barley loaves, and it wasn't a loaf. It was a little flat cake like that pita bread, but no one liked it. No one liked the taste of it. No one just liked it. Um, you know, so this is like the bare minimum barley loaves. No, thank you. I'd rather just skip eating. Uh, it's like, you know, if you're looking for coffee and uh, sorry, it's on good notice. But anyway, I'll move on. So, 15 if you're awake. All right. But what good is this that this huge with this huge crowd? Tell everyone sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on a grassy slope. The men alone numbered 5,000. And that tells us that there's probably more like 20,000 people at this event. Um, wives, children, and that's what the scholars would uh, tell us. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterwards, he did the same with the fish. And after they all ate as much as they wanted and everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces of pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. And uh, it's just unbelievable miracle, unbelievable miracle about serving and um, the first thing we kind of see here is that serving is a test it's a test for philip it's a test for his disciples not a test to set him up to failure when god gives us a test he wants us to pass the test when there's a temptation and when it's from let's say just the world we live in sometimes our own uh, self-centered desires sometimes the evil one is trying to trip us up those are those are designed to cause us to fail a good teacher wants you to pass a test. A bad teacher wants you to fail a test. So there's a little difference going on here. So Jesus gives Philip and the rest of the disciples a little test to see what's going to go on 
and that is a part of serving. Uh, a lot of times when ministry stretches us, steers us, and takes us to the end of ourselves, our trust is strengthened. And that's a part of this test. Uh, Jesus wants his disciples to know that they can trust him, that they can lean on him. Remember, it said that he already knew what he was going to do. I mean, Jesus is doing miracles all over the place. So, so to just to think they would be limited is just they're inside this box. And Jesus is trying to test them, to pass them, to get them outside of that box. So they think beyond that. And again, we see that in verses 5 through 7, just the whole idea of uh, too much, uh, too many people, not enough food, all this kind of thing. If Even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. And a lot of times when you and I are trying to serve, uh, and this isn't the idea of being foolish, but when you and I are trying to serve, it's, it's a wonderful thing when uh, the area we're moving in is beyond ourselves. We're led by God, and it's beyond ourselves. We don't, in a sense, have all the ducks lined up. Uh, sometimes I get concerned in my own life that I want the ducks all lined up so well that if God doesn't show up, I can still pull it off. That's not the way this is supposed to work. We're supposed to have faith and lean in and watch God show up. Take our not tasty barley loaves and do something amazing with them. And uh, sometimes you see that. Uh, sometimes you see that with our difference maker partners around the world because they have to live this way. They have to uh, live on the edge. They're, they're serving. They have to have their faith strengthened uh, through the testing. Uh, you know, we talked about uh, the moorlings, you know, and it's crazy in their village and they're all where they're living. And, and uh, on one hand, it, go, it unnerves us. On the other hand, they go, yeah, we're kind of used to it. It doesn't unnerve. They've got be, they to be common sense. But again, they have this trust that God is going to care for them. And it's an amazing thing when you lean in and put the pieces of your life in God's hands and you watch him start to put the pieces together. When you're able to do that all yourself, then God hasn't, in a sense, felt like he showed up. And again, this isn't that we test God by doing something really unwise, uh, doing something stupid, so he has to, like, come in and save the day because we've been just, you know, un not responsible we've been undisciplined it's not that kind of thing but when you and i are walking with god uh, when god lives in our lives through the holy spirit that you and i face our days with yes i'm gonna bring my uh, barley loaves and i'm gonna watch what god does with that and some of us have experienced that some of us have been on mission trips where it's nervous i, I remember uh going to the Dominican Republic, and not, not my favorite thing to do, and I was the leader, and I don't know, we had 15, 20 kids with us, and, you know, I don't speak the language, don't even attempt to try to speak the language, I might uh, really mess things up, right, but uh, don't try to do that, and in Dominican Republic, you know, you go down the stores, and there's people with these, like, shotguns in front of every store to face something wild happened, just out of my comfort zone where we were, and, um, but again, it was great because God had to show up. He had to just, even, even showing up to make me calm inside. Now, I didn't act nervous in front of the kids. I just faked it a little bit. But uh, inside, I was very uncomfortable. And uh, so, you know, we put ourselves out there. And yes, you don't have to go to another culture, another country to do that. But you get that idea. If you look at your life and look at your service and, and, and see where God is leading you. And again, we've established already that everyone 
everyone that uh, has a relationship with God through Christ has some area to express that to serve. You are a Christ follower. You're a little Christ. Remember that from a couple weeks back. So this idea of this being a test, and it can be a wonderful test. You, you know, the person that's in the rhythm of taking tests and passing them, they love tests. I just can't stand those people in school. You know, they'd be like, ooh, another test. And they go in and, you know, pat, you know get A's. And I'm like, yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. But they love tests. They love that. And as a Christ follower, we can get to the place where we actually anticipate tests and like tests because we see them, we lean into them, and we pass them, and God shows up. And that, that's just a wonderful way to live because I want to be very conscious of God being a part of my life. I know he's a part of our lives. That, that's a guarantee, but I want to have glasses that actually see that he is a part of our lives. Um, we've kind of camped on these verses a little bit, uh, different translations, but I love Ephesians 2.10. He created each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he's gotten ready for us to do, the works we had better be doing. And this whole idea of God has prepared things in advance. Jesus has prepared things in advance, and our life intersects those moments. So we need to know the Savior's voice very well. Uh, we could read about him being the good shepherd, and some of us are aware of shepherds, and some of us are not, and sheep. And when those sheep know the good shepherd, it calms them, and we follow his lead, and we know what we ought to be doing. And uh, we can hear his voice it's the same way when um, some of you have children in the nursery and you walk by the nursery and they can be like having a great time in there screaming and uh, you know your baby's in there but you don't hear your baby's voice or scream so you just kind of like walk by no big deal and then some of us all oh, that's my little child you can identify the difference in the, the crying for those of us who don't have kids in the nursery it's just crying we can't figure out who's crying in there and so the same way you know we get to the point where we are able to hear Christ's voice, know what he's leading because we know him well and we'll be able to identify that rather than being guilted into something, we, we know what he's done and he's done some things to, uh, ha or he's prepared some things in advance. Another translation says it this way, we have become his pottery, his workmanship, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he's given each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one, even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good work we would do to fulfill it. What a joy. What a joy to think that you and I all have a destiny. Sometimes we are purpose. We get sick of hearing that and go, now my purpose is just to survive. <laughs> so, no, all of us have a direction. All of us have a venue. All of us have an arena to point to him. We have a destiny, and he, he, he's wired us and made us to do these good works. And again, some of these are a real stretch for us. Me going to the Dominican Republic was a real stretch for me, and um, that, that's okay. And some of them aren't, aren't so much of a stretch, but he has these things for us to do, and when you and I are doing them, there, there's a joy, there's, a, there's a, just a joy that gets released in our heart because we're, we're involved in these things that he's prepared for us in advance. If you don't serve, this could sound a little harsh, if you don't serve because you don't think it matters, you're simply detaching your life from the adventure of what God is desiring to do on earth through you. You're removing yourself from being a difference maker. 
that, that's what's going on. And that's not to make you feel bad. It's to say, I have so much to offer. Um, I am going to grow. I, I love the little opening uh, bumper. Uh, Meg was able to find that and put that together for me this time around. And, and the growth, you see the seeds planted. And we're thinking about, oh, I plant a seed and something happens. But there's also a flip side of that. When you and I are serving, we are growing. I can't remember if I said it here or in a small group, but, uh, you know, some of us take vitamins. So we stay healthy. So we're, you know, our body's responding to the world the way it ought to. That keeps us healthy, and, and it's a part of that. We don't take the vitamins, we're not as healthy, whatever. But uh, it's the same thing with serving. It's, it's our vitamins for spiritual growth. When you and I don't serve, we're not getting that vitamin A, B, whatever the vitamins are. I get this one that says vitamins. But anyway, I don't know what's in there. Some of you going, you ought to know what's in there. Well, I just, the fact that I take one every day is good enough for me right now. But anyway, so thank you very much. Someone's going to come up to me. I've got the perfect, anyway, thanks. I don't want to live forever. Anyway, but uh, this whole idea that you and I are removing ourselves from being a difference maker by not serving. Everybody has some way to express that. So the idea that serving is a part of testing us, growing us, developing us. Also, this idea is we bring whatever you have. Comparison ruins our lives. I don't have this, so I don't have anything to offer. Absolutely not true. You have something. And you may say, I have just a little bit. But that little bit is crucial. I've talked about this before. I'm definitely not a cook. I was bragging to somebody yesterday or today that uh, last night Cindy and, and mom were gone off to an event and it was just dad and me at home. We had leftover pizza and it was the first time I've turned on the oven at our house. And I had a Google warm pizza and it said put it at 350, free heat. It said free heat. Don't stick it in there. Free heat it. When the thing beeps, stick it in there for 10 minutes. I had to make sure I knew how to turn it on. There's like a start button, stop button. I'm like, just where's the old little click, 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 click? But, uh, you know, all, all recipes. I'm not a cooker guy. So, so um, a friend of mine says, then what good are you? You really don't do anything. That's right. Just Sunday morning. I, I, don't, I don't like gardening. I don't like anything. I just like uh, ice cream and TV. But anyway, that's a whole other story. So bring whoever you are. And the amount that you have is the perfect amount for that thing. So I'm told, you know, like you're making a cake and you have maybe two cups of flour. Does that, that's possible, right? And then you put two cups of salt in there. No, 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 no. You put like a little salt in there. You wouldn't want two cups. So if you're bringing to the recipe a teaspoon of salt, hooray. Don't compare yourself with a guy who's got... Two cups of flour, like, oh, he's got two cups of flour. I'm just a teaspoon of salt. You know, don't, don't bring whatever you have because this attitude limits you. And even more than important, because it isn't about us, right? It limits the work of Christ. Yeah, God's going to get done what he wants to get done. But it seems to me that he gets more done when there are willing people to serve in his name. Don't know how that works. But that's the way it works. So bring whatever you have. I mean, you know, Philip is like, but this is practically useless when he brings the five loaves, little, you know, flat little round things, and these little, these little um, fish that were probably like relish, right? Somebody said like a thing you kind of like spread on the little cake or whatever. 
And he says it's useless, but that is not true. Came across this guy that reminds me that is not good. I'm too weak. I'm slow. Too big. I ate too much for breakfast. Got a headache. It's raining. My dog is sick. I can't right now. I'm not inspired. Makes me smell bad. I'm allergic to stuff. I'm fat. I'm thin. It's too hot. I'm not right. I've got shin splints. Headache. I'm distracted. I'm exerting myself too much. I'd love to really, but I can't. I just can't. My favorite show is on. I got a case of the Mondays, the Tuesdays, the Wednesdays. I don't want to do this. I'm going to do something else. After New Year's. Next week. I might make a mistake. I got homework. Well, I feel bloated. I have gas. I got a hot date. My coach hates me. Mom won't let me. I bruise easily. It's too dark. Too cold. My blister hurts. This is dangerous. Ugh, sorry, I don't have a bike. I didn't get enough sleep. My tummy hurts. It's not in my jeans. I don't want to look all tired out. I need a better coat. I don't like getting tackled. I have a stomach ache. I'm not the athletic type. I don't want to get sweaty. I have better things to do. I don't want to slow you down. I have to do this? As soon as I get a promotion. I think I'll sit this one out. And my feet hurt. Pretty powerful, huh? 90% of it's attitude, isn't it? He brings what he has. He's a champion wheelchair basketball guy. There's nothing like an athlete like that. There's some of us that are in a, a little bit, right? You know, we won't go down that road today. But you bring whatever you have. And you're a workmanship of God. And he's made you a certain way for you to reflect him. And what's wonderful is he evaluates us. It's not your buddy who goes, wow, you're really not that good in it. And you're like, well, God kind of led me to do this. Or you don't get the praise. And I, and I really feel bad because, you know, I'm up front all the time. And there's people who serve in this church that you don't even know their name. You don't even know what they're doing. And if they weren't doing what they were doing, I couldn't do what I'm doing right now. Right now, there's people in the sound booth who are doing things, and the only time we know that they're not doing things is when something weird happens. Like a clicker, and you go, oh, then when it turns around, going back there. And, you know, they're just like the silent workers back there. And that's awesome. All of us have a place to be. The size of the service isn't what matters. What matters is your heart, your spirit, your attitude selflessness, your investment. What matters is serving, and that means every foot, size, and color. God's made you the way you are. He is so fantastic. People right now in the nursery taking care of babies. If they weren't taking care of babies and the parents would have to be out there or be somewhere else, and that, that's, a, that's a gift. There's all kinds of things. People mowing the lawn, doing this, doing that. You know, there's things that I, I'm not aware. People just come in and they do it. And they, they, they take that piece so that we can do other things. So every size, every amount matters. And uh, the disciples weren't getting that yet. But what good is that with this huge crowd? And sometimes it seems like we don't even make a dent in making a difference in other people's lives. But you don't have to figure that out. I mean, it's nice when you see it. I've been being honest with you. But uh, it's nice when you see the effect of your life. But you know that God's taking that and doing something with that. And years later, you may discover that. You may not discover it on this side of heaven. But someday, all those of service reflecting your heart you're going to be aware that you 
somebody else's life. And that's awesome. What a reward. What, what, what a good thing to look forward to heaven. Heaven's not just going to be, oh, I'm not going to be in misery. I'm not going to have pain. I'm not going to have to you know, watch the evening news. I'm not going to see all that stuff. Heaven's also going to be this place where you, you, you get a moment and all of a sudden you find out, my life's good now. You know, trusting God, being faithful, good now. Isn't that great? That all wasn't just stuff. It matters with God. This, this passage is often used about finances, and finances do matter. I, you know, I would, wouldn't be honest with you if, if that wasn't true, but I like to look at this as a broader application. One poor widow came up and put in two small coins, a measly two cents, Jesus called his disciples over and said, the truth is that this poor woman, the widow, gave more to the collection than all the others put together. All the others gave what they'll never miss. She gave extravagantly what she couldn't afford. She gave her all. So whatever you bring to the table, if you will, when it reflects your heart, when it's led by God, and don't let, oh, I don't feel led by God, so I don't have anything to bring to the table. If that goes on too long, you're being led, you're just not figuring out. Again, you said a couple weeks ago, just look at who you are. But she gave it all, and Jesus notices that. So the person in the flashy, making a difference ministry, or even outside of a church and all that kind of stuff, we're going to be surprised someday that if the person... I don't know, folding the, the program that God is just blown away with, that he, that she served fantastically. And the person up front who kind of gets some of the accolades, and oh, yeah, well, it, that, that, does, that doesn't even get on the wow meter, that this person day in, week after week service does. So it's between you and God, how you serve. And the service does matter. Also interesting, we see service is always multiplied. Multiplied. God takes what you do and does something more with it. When he joins it, his energy and who he is makes it have a larger impact. That, that's what makes it have the impact. Him working. You're his vessel. You're being used by him. It's multiplied. And then what's even more wonderful is when you connect with some other Christ followers in a local church... There's this synergy that takes place, so two people together have a better effect than two separate people. And then you put a team together, and they have even more effect. Now, I'm going way out on uh, the, 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 of what I don't know about, but I'm, I am understanding. I want to pick on someone. Bill, when you have two horses pulling together, they can pull more than one horse, right? See? See? See there. Bill just confirmed what I said. So when there's a bunch of people together... Pulling in the same direction, the ripple effects of that ministry is multiplied significantly. So it's great to be a part of teams and watch God do that. And obviously we see that in the story of the feeding of the 5,000, which was the Bible say feeding of the 20,000. Serving is always multiplied because it unleashes the power of God. He loves showing up and using you, expanding it, having it make a difference. He loves that, loves to see that happen, to see it just explode. And again, he energizes it. 
a team that gets together and prays for VBS after service, a team that prays around 9, 15, 9 o'clock for the service and what's happening in the church. Uh, in a sense, when they're showing up in those prayer meetings, they may not be working per se, but they're showing up at those prayer meetings and when they pray, rather than having them work, God works. I'd rather have God work than me work, right? <laughs> He's going to be more effective. He's going to change hearts from the inside out. So, again, uh, it's, just, it's just watching him just make things wow. When you see these moments that are wow, and it takes a, a, a something that's bad, something that's uncomfortable, something that's a tragedy, and you can turn it around because he energizes those people, and they have a good attitude, and they say, how can I, how can I be used by God to take this, this horrible thing and make it into something, something good, something redeemable? Galatians 6, and some of us find ourselves here. And don't allow yourself to be weary or disheartened in planting good seed. For the season of reaping, the wonderful harvest you're planting is coming. Take advantage of every opportunity to be a blessing to others, especially to our brothers and sisters in the family of faith. Don't grow weary. Don't grow weary. The seeds you are planting will make a difference. Plant those seeds. Experience the blessing of planting those seeds. Be a blessing to others. And see something come back into your life and be bless, such a blessing to those that know Jesus that are getting weighed down by just the craziness and difficulty of our world. Now, one of the ways uh, every church has a little bit of a different uh, expression of this. There's not really a right or wrong expression of this. But when we talk about our purpose as a church, our purpose is to make a difference in people's lives wherever they are by leading them into a growing relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So we want to make a difference. We want to make a lasting difference. We want to make a spiritual difference in their lives wherever they're at. Whatever walk of life, uh, whatever's going on in their life, uh, sometimes that means uh, coming alongside somebody who's really struggling. Not in a self-righteous way, but th th their life's a mess. And so you come alongside and you help and you have a patience. You accept where they're at. You don't wait for someone to get, quote, unquote, cleaned up and then be a part of the church. Then be a part of the, the, you know, the community. You, you a part of that process. Because if we're honest with ourselves, all of us still have some cleaning up to do in our hearts. No one's free of that. So it's pretty, pretty stinky very stinky when you are self-righteous to somebody because unless you're Jesus, you have not arrived. I've not arrived. It doesn't mean you accept sloppiness. It doesn't mean you, you, you approve of bad behavior and all that kind of stuff. But the way you enter into that world, we follow Jesus. Remember, little Jesuses, little Christ. And so wherever they're at, and then also wherever we're at, we realize that it's just not inside these four walls. We realize that actually our influence is greater outside these four walls. So wherever you and I go, whatever restaurant you go, when you tip, whatever place you go, however you're nice to people, uh, sometimes you're driving and somebody's trying to get out and it's not going to cause an accident. You just slow down and go, come on, you can go. And they're like, wow, someone actually was nice to me. And you, you, just, you just never know how that kind of stuff is going to touch other people's lives. So wherever we go. And we want to lead them into a growing relationship with Christ. We also need to realize that if we're not growing in our relationship with Christ, you can't lead somebody. It's faith. 
So if you're not spending time with God and you're not growing and then you're trying to lead other people, there's something wrong with that. And you can only go so far with that. Don't do that. Why do that? Why would you actually encourage someone else to be growing in their relationship when you have stalled out and you're not growing in your relationship? What value is, you're saying, it's not valuable to me, but it's valuable to them. So I'm, it, just doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. And leading them in a growing relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And we sang a lot of great songs that talked about what Christ has done for us. Um, a bunch of us are reading this uh, book by Bob Goff, Undistracted. He says we need to realign, refine, and reconnect with the greater purposes of our lives rather than be distracted by the rest of it. I have to always be asking myself the question, is this sideways energy? Some of us are busy doing things that waste our time. And, and I, can't, I can't answer that for you. You have to be in a growing relationship with Christ because, I mean, the obvious things, oh, that's not good. But the, but the things, some of us are doing good things when we should be doing better things. And the only way to figure that out is to be in that growing relationship with Christ. And we're distracted by the leftovers. We get distracted by other kinds of things. Also, in all of this, you can't outgive God. And this is not prosperity thinking. So if you give God, then all of a sudden you get blessing, you know, this idea, oh, it's $10 in the offering plate, and next week I'm supposed to get 100 back. No, we're not talking about that. When you are functioning as a Christ follower and giving your life away, God blesses you in ways uh, that you're just, you're just going to be blown away with. And it is a lot of times the expressions of those are completely different than the expression that you did by giving your life away. You give your life away in this area, and then God blesses you in this area. And I don't know about you, but I'm getting to the age in my life where if I'm just aware of God's presence and enjoying his presence, that's enough. I don't know what else I need. Just knowing and being in fellowship with him, starting my day, walking my day, through my day, uh, being reminded of things, uh, just impressing things on my heart, that is a better blessing than, than all the other stuff. I, I want a taste of heaven on this side of heaven. And heaven's going to be uninterrupted fellowship with God. How that all looks, not completely sure. We can guess a little bit, speculate about it. But, th but that's, that's, that's the beauty of being with Christ and God through eternity, new heavens, new earth, is that our relationship with him will be uninterrupted. There'll be no static on the line. We'll be able to hear. We'll be able to talk. It'll be clear. You won't have to guess. I won't have to guess. That's, that's what we're looking for. So, so that, to me, is, is a blessing that trumps all other blessings uh, when we look at life. And obviously, we see that the loaves are full, 12 baskets. Um, you know, uh, a verse I often use when I'm talking about being generous, but I think it applies to all of life, uh, is Proverbs 11, uh, 24, 25, out of the message paraphrase translation. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. What goes around comes around. No more complex than that. But when we're stingy, our world shrinks. When we're generous, our world enlarges. Now, I'm not talking about foolish giving things. If you, you know, you've got to be walking with God. Sometimes it's little edgy, sometimes it's a step of faith kind of thing, but it's just not careless uh, 
unwise whatever, but being generous. So as we've looked at this and we've looked at this idea, I want to say yes. The ground level is I want to say yes to Christ. I want to have him in my life. Um, I want to acknowledge the fact I need a savior, uh, acknowledge that uh, he died on the cross for me, he rose again. That resurrection is so important because if he just died and had nice teachings, there's no power in that. So there's got to be a resurrection or he's just another great teacher out there. And the reason I love Jesus, the reason I want to have a relationship with him is because he is alive, not dead. That's where the power is. So you say yes to him. Spirit joins your life. God joins your life, and you start this adventure with him, and uh, you say yes there. But then as a Christ follower, we're to be not saying yes to everything, but knowing God's heart and our heart where we ought to say yes, and uh, not saying but all the time. You see, you can be a difference maker. God values every size, and God will use every size. So that doesn't let any of us off the hook. Because it's really a hook, isn't it? It's a delight. But God wants to use us at any size, any package, any whatever. God wants to use us. Unbelievable. God wants to use me. God wants to use you. Some of you, that's really unbelievable. But, you know, he, this idea that he'll use any of us the way we are shaped. So we've worked hard. Megan's worked hard in the office. The staff has worked hard putting together lists. Uh, you can look. Uh, there's a little uh, QR code, so you can click on that and find lists of things, of opportunities for service inside the church. Uh, our perspective is you need to have some expression of service inside your local church. You need to have some expression outside. It's not a 50-50 thing. It's not a 20. You've got to figure that out, but both should be expressed in your life. And so this just can help you on that way. Again, we've talked about how you're shaped, how you're wired. You can go back and look at all those things. And uh, so you go to our website, too, and, uh, and if you do this, you get a little sticker. I should have brought my mug thing that's got my sticker on it. I said yes to make some difference, and uh, you can go there and, and figure that out. Made it as easy as possible. There's lots of things to do, but what's more important is your spiritual growth hangs in the balance. If you are not giving your life away in some expression, and you've said yes to Christ, that's just sad. You're not being all you can be. Express your faith and serve and point to Christ. Christ came to serve, not to be served. So you can be a difference maker. God values every size, and God will use every size. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this story. I thank you for the way you've used service to not only get things done, but to, to, to shape us. It's a two-way street. And Father, I ask that we would get on that two-way street, that we would be servants inside and outside, a local community of faith, a church, and we would also see that when we are part of your business, your service, why Jesus even came to serve us ultimately was giving his life for us, rising again, but that we are blessed by serving you. We thank you for the gift. You just don't ask something from us, but then give us something back. And uh, it's, it's just unbelievable how what comes around really does go around and how you bless us with that. 
Help us not to be just good works people. Uh, Help us to be people that know you and have a relationship with you. And that relationship with you informs our faith. Thank you for everyone here this morning. Thanks for those listening online. Uh, Thank you for the way you speak to our hearts. We ask all of this in Jesus' wonderful name.